This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the Hill Country Authors Podcast. Not only is the Texas Hill Country the most beautiful place in Texas, but it also has some of the best writers in Texas. On this podcast series, I'm going to explore writers in literally all genres of writing, both fiction and nonfiction. I hope you'll join me in this journey. Today, James Horky on his book, From My Own Prison to Redemption. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode today. I am thrilled to have James Horky. James is Kerrville's newest first-time author. Well, James, first of all, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. James, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your professional background. I have been in logistics, in the logistics rounds for over 40 years. I, in the early 80s, I started with IBM, well-known company, and Siemens, big worldwide companies, and I always worked in the manufacturing logistics side of those companies, whether it was receiving, warehousing, shipping, transportation. Once all that stuff got farmed out to China and Mexico and a lot of manufacturing jobs left the U.S., I ended up doing insurance, IT at insurance company for a while. And then I got back into logistics on the freight forwarding side, which is the companies that move all the freight for companies. And I've been doing that ever since. So James, your book is entitled From My Own Prison to Redemption, Healing for the Wounded. I was wondering if I could start with what led you to write this book? That's, that is very interesting. I was actually at a job where I traveled about 47 weeks a year and would be home on the weekends. So on my Monday morning flight to Charlotte at 5 a.m., I'm sitting there in first class and I'm already dozing off like I normally do. And it felt as if someone was sitting right next to me, talking to me and said, you need to write a book. Someone needs to and it was clear, like there was a person right next to me. And he, that gave me the title of the book, the artwork of the book, and all the chapter titles. So part of my story is recovery. And it looks like a big part of your story is recovery. Could you tell yes. us what led to that part of your story? First of all, as far as the book, I was given direction to do it. And I believe it came from God. It was placed on my heart, so I felt obedient to write the book, but I had spent decades in addiction, and the first thing that needed and did happen in the year 2000 was I recovered from the addiction of alcohol and cocaine, and but yet I had another decade and a half of healing to do from the wounds that were inflicted upon myself through addiction and the trauma that I suffered as a child, so well, I guess what I'm trying to do with the book is get to people out there that are in my own prison. I was operating inside, yet I could function on the outside in just a few areas of my life. Like my work life, I was very successful, but I couldn't control much anything else because of the wounds that were unhealed. So one of the fallacies about addiction is that if you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict, you're living under the bridge on I-10 or some other place. <clears throat> and one of the things that people you and like yourself and myself, I think, try to emphasize is this is what addiction looks like. It's yeah. you and it's me. And it can strike anybody. 
And I love the part you said that getting sober and getting clean is really just step one. Yeah. Then you got to work on you in many ways. That's for me, that was the hardest part. And like you, it took me a long time to do that. 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Believe me, I'm right with you. Did you have a moment where you had a moment of clarity rather when you were able to see you had to change your life? It's all about our truth. I tried for 10 years to stop. I never had an issue with drugs or alcohol. I enjoyed it. It made me feel better. But the time when I started to have kids in my second marriage already, and I'm like, I need to stop. I realized I couldn't. And then I spent 10 years trying to stop. I spent 10 years in the rooms of anonymous programs, but I never opened the big book. I never got a sponsor. Had legal issues, continued to work. I left jobs, but never lost jobs. But I ended up sleeping on the side of 35 in Round Rock, Texas, still working as a manager at Siemens, making 70 grand a year, but couldn't keep a place because I needed my cocaine and my alcohol. And that was more important. I had already lost my family, my kids, and the moment of clarity still didn't come. I was in Hunt, Texas at La Hacienda in my second week of a 28-day program. And I'm sitting there going, I don't get it. I guess I'm just doomed an alcoholic addict death, and that's what God wants for me. And the part that clicked when Chris Raymer would speak to us out there was on the first step when it says, if this this happens to you when you might be an alcoholic or an addict, and if that be the case, you are beyond human aid. And right there it clicked. I just needed that bit of information. I just was ready to receive it because I got five siblings. All We're all a year apart. I'm the only one in the family that when I start, I don't stop. I'll lose my 401ks. I'll lose my families. I'll leave a job. I'll get my vehicles repossessed. And then I'll just start all over, build it all back up again, and it'll happen again and again. So the clarity for me came in the first step that when this drug or alcohol drug gets in my system, it creates a phenomenon of craving, they call it, an allergy, whatever, but I will not stop. And that's what it took for me to do the 12 steps. Six weeks later, still homeless, I'm in my 12th step carrying the message to halfway houses and stuff like that where I spent 26 years not even being able to draw a sober breath, in six weeks I was free. The obsession was gone. And like with you, then I had to spend, and still am spending years to repair my financial debacles. I had child support for years, all that stuff that should have led me back to drugs and alcohol, but didn't because I was free. So that thing about If this happens to you, you're beyond human aid. What does it leave you? It takes a psychiatrist out of the picture. It takes an abuse out of the picture. It takes therapists. It takes treatment centers. It even takes the 12 steps out of the picture. You got to have the God to help. And I'm so thankful for the 12 step program, because although it talks about God, most of us that got there didn't believe or thought he hated us. But if you actually do the 12 steps, you will find him because you will be free. You're the only other person I've ever heard say, other than me, 
say it was all the first step. For me, that was it. When I read that first step, and it wasn't the first we were powerless over alcohol. I knew the answer to that. But it was the second part, and our lives had become unmanageable. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why all this crazy stuff was happening to me. And it all, for me, fell into place with that. Also, like you, I have one switch. It's called on and off. And it's okay if it doesn't go on. Once it goes on, it doesn't. Yeah. And people I had a guy last week say, how do you do so much work? And I said, I got one switch. And it's still there. Just because I'm sober doesn't mean I'm well. Oh, I hear you. Let's, let me turn to the story you wanted to tell and you wanted to put out there for the alcoholic or the addict who may still be. What did you want to communicate about your story through your book? Just to never give up. I came into the program all knowing a lot about God. I grew up Catholic and did all the stuff you do in the Catholic church. And all I remember since I was four years old was you sin, you go to hell. And by then from age five to 11, I'm being abused. I was phys verbally, physically, sexually abused and raped by the time I was eight. And that trauma set in when I was age 12, I said to myself, I'm never going to let anyone hurt me again. And that's when I turned to alcohol and drugs and enjoyed it for because it made me feel good for 26 years till I wanted to stop. What I want to tell people is the combination of whatever made you decide to, I don't know, test the stuff. Everybody does things now. It's hard to find someone even our age that hasn't. The thing is, once you lose the power to stop on your own, you're beyond human aid. So don't give up. It'll take you as far as you want to go. Like I say, I was on the side of the road, but still a functioning addict, alcoholic, but I was homeless for five months. And I had suicidal plans and all that stuff, all the stuff that comes with trauma and addiction, low self-worth, very fearful of women, inadequate, whatever. That's were some of the traits that I and I'm just saying for me to suffer like I did inside for decades, it's not necessary. And there's a lot of people out there that are just suffering. Let's forget about drugs and alcohol just from their upbringing. And only the people closest to them know that there might be something wrong with them or they actually know the story, but they're not really available as a person to humanity because they're still like I was stuck in my own prison, stuck inside with the wounds that we have. So you have to heal. And for me, it was I had to tackle the addiction. Once I understood it, I was all in. And it's amazing different happens that don't happen to other people. Then I knew I was screwed. And then I was all in because I'm like you. When you said there's an on and off switch, I'm either way to the right or way to the left. Even to this day, I would love to get somewhere in the middle someday just as a person. And I'm, it's, we're a piece of work, right? We're in transformation and we will get there. So to everyone, I would say, don't give up. I was stuck on prayers that were chants or basically memorized prayers. My prayer life since 2000 has been like you and me talking today, as if God is next to me, because he wants the relationship with us just like we are. He accepts us like we are. I don't have to have a memorized prayer that's in the church. I, I would describe myself as not a religious person, 
But I'll tell you, I am a believer because I received a healing miracle that no one could have given me. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Yeah. How did you do the work on James? Was it through the 12 steps? Was it through talking to others? Was it through reliance on your higher power? Was it some combination of all of the above or perhaps a different way? Now, when, in, when I was in that treatment center in Hunt, it was God. And I immediately had to come to believe. I, I believed in God, but I believed he was, for me, had me destined to die an alcoholic death. I thought he didn't like me. I believed that my sins could not be free. But immediately I had to change that. But it was through the actual 12 steps that I got to know him better and making my amends and righting the wrongs that I then came to believe more. And in 2005, I, it's in chapter 15 of the book, I gave my life and my will over to the care of God by accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. And since I've always been in church since I was a kid, but now I belong to Bible church or non-denominational type churches because labels for me are not good. To me, it's about his word and staying close to him. The relationship with God. James, let me change the focus to you living in Kerrville. What brought you and your wife to our fair city? Just the fact that we always wanted to be here. I knew when I left that treatment center in 2000 that I would be back hopefully to serve. And of course, we're just getting settled in and I have not got plugged in like I would like to because I was finishing this project and I'm working a lot of hours. But that's the hope is speaking engagements at churches, men's ministries, men's retreats, treatment centers, sober houses. I have a upcoming speaking engagement at a homeless shelter in San Antonio in the near future. And that's what I want to do with this outreach that I'm doing through your show or anyone else that I can get through is I just want to share my testimony. I don't need to be paid for nothing. I just want to share my testimony. And the book was written, God told me to write the book because a person needed to read it. Now, that might mean 10,000 in his ling language, or it could be one person that is wounded so bad and it clicks and they can heal. James, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information on yourself, perhaps to contact you, to follow up or to get the book, what would be the best place or places for them to go? Okay, you can contact me on Gmail. My my email address is jimhorky at gmail.com. And you can order the book. I would go to the Dorrance Publishing Bookstore. That's the publisher. And it's bookstore.dorrancepublishing.com. When I placed the announcement in the paper, it should have been on Amazon and Barnes & Noble by then. And it wasn't. And I got to get with them to see, but it, they use a third party. It will also be available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. It's a print-on-demand book, but it takes seven days to get it once you order it. And it looks, well, you, Tom, you, probably, you saw a picture of it, but I'll have to get you a copy to read. Are you in the Kerrville area? I am. Okay. We'll talk. James has been great. I greatly look forward to continuing this conversation with you. Thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you reaching out. 
This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hill Country Authors Podcast. If you have a book or are an author and like to come on my podcast, please let me know. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. The Hill Country Authors Podcast is available on the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network. And where all great podcasts are played.